when, when Noah came out of the ark, God gave Noah a sign, the sign of a rainbow. And the rainbow was God saying to Noah, I want you to remember. I don't want you to forget what I've done. And it was really a sign of God's deliverance. It was a sign of God's wrath. It was a sign, certainly, of God's promise that he would never destroy the earth like he did in the days of Noah with a flood. And so we we know about that story because the Bible records that story. And then we get to see rainbows every once in a while in our own lives, don't we? And I just want you to think for a second about that. God used a rainbow with Noah to say something to Noah. But that wasn't the only rainbow that ever happened. It's kept on happening all the way until every one of us in this room has seen one. What God said, He continually speaks to those who will listen. And God has spoken so many amazing things in history. And if we are listening, I suspect that what God said then will have great bearing on what we hear now. In fact, if we'll pay attention to what God has done in history, I think we'll find a great means for fighting to be free from idolatry. I want to look at several passages of Scripture that really exhort us to do that very thing. The first one is in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. So turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. And let's just start reading verse verse 1 there. For I do not want you to be unaware, brethren, that our fathers were all under the cloud and all passed through the sea and all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea and all ate the same spiritual food and all ate the same spiritual drink, all drank the same spiritual drink, for they were drinking from a spiritual rock which followed them. And the rock was Christ. Nevertheless, with most of them, God was not well pleased, for they were laid low in the wilderness. They died. Okay, so Paul is saying that the Exodus generation that came out of Egypt were following Christ. And he was equating, he was drawing these similar lines between the Corinthians' lives, who had come to Christ to follow Christ, and those in the Exodus generation. He was saying in the very same way you guys are following Christ, those in the Old Testament in the Exodus generation coming out of Egypt into the wilderness on the way to the promise and were following Christ. Now we know that it's a concealed Christ. They didn't see Christ like those in Corinth saw the revelation of Christ. But Paul's drawing the parallels So that those in Corinth would understand that what the people in the Old Testament were doing was following Christ. He wanted them to understand the similarities between their lives and the lives of those in the past. Because he wanted them to see what God was saying to them through the Israelites in the Exodus generation. And look what he says in verse 6. Now these things happened as examples for us. 
that we would not crave evil things as they also craved. So he says, look, they were following Christ, very much like you're following Christ, and we have this whole story about them going through the wilderness and having spiritual drink and spiritual food and having a baptism under the sea and the cloud. I mean, he's drawing all these parallels, and he's saying to them, this has been written for you so that you might see what happened to them and not crave what they craved, that you would not do what they did. So this whole story in the Old Testament was written so that you could hear God say to you, don't do what they did. Well, what did they do? Verse 7, do not be idolaters as some of them were. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and stood up to play. That is a direct quote out of Exodus chapter 32. If you go back to Exodus chapter 32, you're going to find the story of when Moses is on Mount Sinai and he's up there so long, the people are freaking out. They tell Aaron, we don't know where he's gone, but we want you to fashion a God for us so that we might worship that God. And Aaron takes all the gold from the people. He fashions a golden calf, and they begin to play the harlot with the golden calf, worshiping an idol. And so Paul has said to the Corinthians, this has been written for you. This Old Testament story has been recorded so that you might hear God say to you through that story, do not be an idolater. Look, look at verse 11. Now verse 8, 9, and 10 just detail more of the evil that the Exodus generation was involved in and all of it centers around idolatry. You can go back and look at these stories in the Old Testament. Every one of them is going to be connected to idolatry. Now look at verse 11. Now these things happened to them what happened to them? Judgment. God's wrath came on the Exodus generation because of their idolatry. These things happened to them as an example, and they were written down for our instruction upon whom the ends of the age has come. All that's happened in the Old Testament has happened so that we might see an example and might be instructed by God through the stories of the Old Testament so that we might not be idolaters. What that means is that God is speaking to us through the Old Testament stories so that we might hear what He says and have a great means for fighting to be free from idolatry. See, see, when you pick up the Old Testament and you read the stories in the Old Testament, those stories are not just stories about what God did and what God said. Those stories are stories through which God is saying to you, don't be like them. I'm the same God of Israel today that I was then. And then I hated idolatry so much that when my people chose to worship other things besides me, I brought my judgment on them. You listen to what I'm saying in these stories and you pay attention to this and it will be a means for you to fight free of idolatry. 
I mean, think about it. If the people in the Old Testament, particularly this generation coming out of, the, out of Egypt, going through the wilderness that, that Paul is referencing here, if these people were following a concealed revelation of Christ through the wilderness to the promised land, and God judged them for their idolatry, that they would choose to reject Christ and worship a calf made out of gold. If they would do that and God would judge them, what does that say about you and me who have the complete and full revelation of who Christ is in His death on the cross, His resurrection from the dead, and His promise to return to take home His church? How much should we be encouraged when we hear what God is saying to follow Christ. And the Old Testament is full of stories that are dealing with God's wrath falling on idolaters. Full of them. The question is, will we believe those stories and what God is saying about Himself through those stories? And will we believe that God has not changed His opinion on idolatry? And will we believe that God is speaking to us through those stories and find in the reading of the Old Testament a great means for fighting against idolatry? I mean, we've been doing this every Sunday morning for quite a while now through Second Chronicles. You remember the story of Ahaz? We just covered it a couple weeks ago in chapter 28. He has led all of Judah into idolatry. And what happened? God's judgment fell. Remember back in chapter 24 when Joash stopped paying attention to Jehoiada because Jehoiada's gone and Joash goes his own way. And the passage there in chapter 24 says that they just abandoned the house of the Lord and began to worship idols and God's wrath came on them. Those two stories are stories written for us. They're stories through which God speaks to us. And His voice through those stories is intended to reverberate in our souls so that we see who God is and we have spiritual motivation to fight against idolatry. These Old Testament stories of God's wrath falling on idolaters is something that we cannot leave out of our daily life. If you are not daily spending time in the Old Testament, listening to what God says in those stories, revealing Himself, you are absent of a great means that God has given you for fighting against idolatry. I want to exhort you and encourage you and challenge you to regularly take time to dig into the Old Testament. That's part of the reason why I'm preaching 2 Chronicles. I want you to see that the Old Testament is full of God's voice to us today so that we might know Him and walk away from things that are not Him because we see who He is. And many of the stories in the Old Testament 
have to do with God's wrath on idolaters. He still hates idolatry. And if we will hear him, we will hear that he is jealous for us. You know, every story in the Old Testament of God's wrath gives way to stories of God's promises that lead to great hope. Every single story of God's wrath gives way to stories of God's promises that lead to incredible hope. I want you to look at another passage of Scripture, Romans Chapter 15. Well, before you go there, stay in 1 Corinthians 10. Look at verse 14. This is how he ends this section. Look at this. Therefore, my beloved, flee from idolatry. He starts with idolatry and he concludes with idolatry. And he says, this has all been about you fleeing from idolatry. And he says, all this in the Old Testament has been written so you can flee from idolatry by listening to what God has said there. All right? So let's look at Romans chapter 15. Romans chapter 15. Verse 4, for whatever was written in earlier times was written for our instruction so that through perseverance and the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. So here's another category of what was written beforehand, the Old Testament. And the Old Testament is intended to be encouragement to us toward the end that we have hope. And all these stories of God's wrath that give way to God's stories of God's promises lead us to hope. And the Old Testament is full of stories of the promises of God, full of stories of the promises of God of a Messiah, full of stories of hope, God's eternal hope, full of stories of God's grace and forgiveness. The gospel is present throughout the Old Testament as a measure of hope through God's revelation that we are to be listening to as he speaks to us as we read the Old Testament and it is an incredible means for fighting against idolatry. I fear that oftentimes today we have a tendency to gravitate to the New Testament to avoid the Old Testament because the old is old and the new is new and that must mean that the new is for me and the old is for old people and times. And I just want to remind you that the only framework for understanding the New Testament is the Old Testament. And that those who wrote the New Testament wrote it out of hearing God speak to them in the Old Testament. The the gospel that every one of the apostles and the disciples and the early, early church before the writing down of the New Testament letters and being circulated around as a part of the canon, every bit of what they were using as Scripture that you see written about in the New Testament is the Old Testament. And listening to God speak to you through the Old Testament is critical and essential, irreplaceable for your fight against idolatry. 
Now, certainly, we want to include the New Testament in our understanding of the value of Scripture in the fight against idolatry. And the Scripture actually encourages that perspective as well. Look at 2 Peter 1.15. Here we go. And I will also be diligent that at any time after my departure, you will be able to call these things to mind. So Peter has been diligent so that after he's dead, the people he's written to can recall the things he's written. So he writes them down. That's what all the New Testament authors have done under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. They have recorded the words of God so that we might be able to recall what God has said. Further, that we might be able to hear what God is saying. And so the New Testament also serves as God's voice in our lives so that we might hear Him and in hearing Him might fight to be free from things that cannot duplicate the voice of the living God. So the the Scriptures, the stories of God's wrath, the stories of God's promises, and the New Testament revelation of Jesus Christ are all intended for us as means for fighting against idolatry. Now, I want to apply that same idea, that same frame of thought to another principle that's found in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 7. I'm a little scared to look at that passage. Hopefully, you've got that one down. Okay, Hebrews 13, 7. Remember those who led you, who spoke the word of God to you, considering the result of their conduct, imitate their faith. So here we have the principle that's laid before us to remember people in your life who have influenced you in the faith who are now dead. And consider the result of their conduct. You can see their life. You can see what happened. You can see the story of their life. Now you pay attention to how they lived and the fact that they finished their race, and you imitate their faith. This principle of looking at people in the past who have displayed God's glory and paying attention to what God is saying through their lives to you and imitating their faith. In other words, this is another means for fighting to be free from idolatry. Now, I have some people in my life that have gone on to be with the Lord that have played a significant role in impacting my walk with Christ, even today, on a regular basis. Thoughts of those people who have died, and their role in my life spiritually plays a role in my heart. And many of you have the same story. In fact, I was talking to a gentleman uh, in the past about a man that is very important in his life. That man died and, and I regularly hear things from him about that man and how that man continues to influence him. And I asked him to tell me about it. And he, and he wrote down something. I want to read it to you. It's really, really cool. He says this. He goes, about this man who was older than he was who died and now is influencing him even in his death. He says he did not just preach the gospel. He lived the gospel. His actions lined up with his message. Every week I have hope that I can run the Christian race because of the many life examples that he showed me. I only knew Gerald at the end of his life. 
He had no voice, no strength, but he willed himself to visit shut-ins and those in the hospital. He prayed through our church phone directory every day. One day he didn't have the strength to get out of bed. I showed up at his house at lunch. I helped him out of bed. He told me that all he'd been doing for the last three hours is praying for our church. And he said, I wish I could do more for the Lord. In his final days, he was in the hospital. He continued to witness to the Lord, for the Lord to the doctors and the nurses. At the very end, while unconscious to anyone around him, he could be heard whispering Psalm 53 to himself. He died with those words on his lips. My life's desire, this is what this man said to me, my life's desire is to fill his shoes in some small way and to finish well. My desire is to have the words so saturate my life that when I am unconscious, my mind would be alive with the word. You don't think he's not influenced? I mean, we're to remember people and consider the result of, the con- of their conduct. We are to remember them and imitate their faith. This principle of remembering people who are great in the faith, who have died before us, who finished their race, should be applied in our lives, fighting against idolatry. And I, I really want you to hear me clearly. Everybody should have some people in their lives who have died in the Lord, whose life weighs heavy on you. And and I think we ought to go about expanding that base of people who have died in the Lord that could influence us to fight against idolatry in our lives. I think we can do that by being good students of the heroes of the faith. So following this biblical principle in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 7, let me give you an example. Hudson Taylor, born in 1832, died in 1905. He's the founder of the China Inland Mission. In the summer of 1867, Hudson and Maria Taylor's oldest daughter, Gracie, she was eight years old. She became ill in China. She was dying, and Hudson wrote a friend. He said, I'm striving to write a few lines from the side of a couch on which my darling Gracie lies dying. Yet God is faithful and strong, and we depend on him. A few days later, Gracie died, and Hudson wrote his mother. This is part of what he wrote. Our dear little Gracie, How we miss her sweet voice in the morning. One of the first sounds to greet us when we woke. Is it possible that I shall never again feel the pressure of that little hand? Never more hear the sweet little prattle of those dear lips. Never more see the sparkle of those bright eyes. Yet I know she is with Jesus and would not wish her back with us. Over the next three years, Hudson would also lose his two sons and his wife, Maria. And yet he never wavered in his conviction that God had called him to China and that God still had work for him to do in China. His heart was broken over the losses of his family, but his heart was burdened for the lost people in China. He would spend 51 years in China seeking to reach the Chinese for Christ. 
The missionary society that he began was responsible for bringing over 800 missionaries into the country who began 125 schools and directly resulted, directly resulted in 18,000 conversions to Christ as well as the establishment of 300 missionary stations of work and 500 local helpers in all 18 provinces of China. Perhaps no other missionary in the 19th centuries The 20th century since the Apostle Paul has had a wider vision and has carried out a more systematic plan of evangelizing a broad geographical area than Hudson Taylor. Listen to some quotes from Hudson Taylor. All God's giants have been weak men who did great things for God because they reckoned on God being with them. I am no longer anxious about anything as I realize that he is able to carry out his will for me. It does not matter where he places me or how. That is for him to consider, not me. For in the easiest positions, he will give me grace. And in the most difficult ones, his grace is sufficient. There are three stages to every great work of God. First, it is impossible. Next, it is difficult. And finally, it is It is no small comfort to me to know that God has called me to my work, putting me where I am as I am. I have not sought the position, and I dare not leave it. He knows why He places me here, whether to do or to learn or to suffer. Hudson Taylor will help you fight idolatry. Let me tell you about how George Mueller affected a dear lady in our church who died several years ago. She was one of my prayer warriors. I miss her. She was an incredible blessing to me. And I had her write out a little Bible study one time. And so I've got this in her handwriting. And this is what she wrote. I love the story about George Mueller. It's told by the captain of a steamer off the coast of Newfoundland, which the captain said revolutionized the whole of his Christian life. The captain said George Mueller of Bristol was on board. The captain had been on the ferry, on the bridge, for 24 hours and never left it. George Mueller came to him and said, Captain, I've come to tell you that I must be in Quebec Saturday afternoon. The captain replied, It's impossible. And the captain looked at that man of God and thought to himself, what a lunatic asylum can this man have come from? And he said to him, Mr. Mueller, do you know how dense this fog is? And Mr. Mueller replied, no, my eye is not on the fog. My eye is on the living God who controls every circumstance of my life. And he knelt down right there inside the captain's room and he prayed one of the most simple prayers. And when he had finished, the captain was going to pray. But Mueller put his hand on the shoulder of the captain and told him, you don't need to pray. You don't really believe he'll answer. And I've already prayed and I believe he's already answered. So there's no need for you to pray about it. And he looked at him and he said, Captain, I've known my Lord for 57 years and there's never been a single day that I've failed to get audience with the king. He 
said, get up, captain, and open the door, and you will find the fog is gone. He got up. The fog was gone. And on Saturday afternoon, George Mueller was in Quebec for his engagement. After losing her own daughter, this lady who wrote this down, after losing her own daughter, she wrote, cast the full weight of your whole life onto God's faithfulness. We will be amazed, for life will become a grand adventure. Do you think Mueller helped her to be free from idolatry? I mean, you could start with George Mueller or Dietrich Bonhoeffer or Hudson Taylor or George Whitfield or Andrew Murray or Gladys Alward or Amy Carmichael or Lottie Moon or William Carey or Adoniram Judson. There are so many to choose from. I find it rather interesting that right now in the church library window, biographies are featured. I didn't ask them to do that. Scripture encourages us to remember the people who have died living for the glory of God. It is a means by which we can fight against idolatry. See, God has placed stories throughout the centuries of of, of people who stick with future generations so that those who remember are encouraged in their faith. And, and I wonder if tonight we might all be feeling like, I want, I want to know God. I want to hear God. I want to be used by God. I want to hear God whisper to me and tell me how to serve Him. So that I can see His glory unfold in a way that I know it's not because of me, but because of Him. I want my heart to be undivided. I want to be captured by Him so that I might be spent by Him. If if that's the longing of our heart, then use the means of of God's voice in the Old and New Testament and pay attention to those who God has exalted because they humbled themselves before Him. He's exalted their stories so that we might see what He has done and be challenged to leave idolatry and worship the one true God and Him, Him alone. You know, the Bible really communicates. There's overwhelming evidence that the chief temptation of humanity is the temptation to idolatry. It is just everywhere in the Bible. I find it so interesting that in First. Corinthians chapter 10. When we're told all this in the Old Testament has been written so that we might not become idolaters. I find it very interesting that we find 1 Corinthians 10, 13 right before verse 14. Let me, let me read it to you in context here. 
No temptation has overtaken you, but such as is common to man. And God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will provide the way of escape also, so that you will be able to endure it. Therefore, my beloved, flee from idolatry. Contextually, we should not miss the way of escape that is found in the Old Testament and in the stories of those who have given God glory in history. We should be a people who believe that God still speaks. And if we will hear him, we will fight. We will find a way of escape. And we will fight to be free from idolatry.